Hi, welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm the host of the Sober Heathen Podcast. And holy crap, this is going to be a good one. Buckle up. I can already tell. Just talking before we started rolling uh, with the uh, great weight coach, uh, full of energy. This is going to be intense. It's going to be awesome. It's uh, it's going to be the shot in the arm that I need for today. I can tell you that right now. Um, just want a friendly reminder to make sure to check out all the podcasts if you can on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, like, comment, subscribe. It'll help get the word out. Uh, everybody that comes on this podcast is doing something brave and awesome by telling their story. And uh, it's amazing to me every single day how many people uh, reach out and say that they heard something that they could relate to and it helped them out on that day. And that's what it's all about. So. We're not going to waste any time. Uh, here is the great away coach. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would. Hey, nice to uh, nice to be on, man. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting too, man. I, I I was thinking about this last night um, while I was sitting for a little while, and and you know, I say all the time that we recover for ourselves, right? We do this. For us, um, and, and you know, you may have sponsors, you may have friends, you may have cohorts, you may have um, you know people in meetings. You might have shrinks, you might have coaches. But at the end of the day, the recovery path that we walk is a singular one, right? And we do it for us, man. And and honestly, Scott, that that's why um, interventions don't work. Let's just get that out of the way right away. Interventions don't work. Like you're going to ambush somebody. You're going to kidnap somebody into getting their shit together. Right. Like that's going to work. Yep. And and it never does. And and it never does. And so, you know, I was thinking about you and I was, I watched a couple of episodes over the last couple of days um, in between client calls. And and I was like, you know, this is going to, him doing this podcast is going to keep him clean. Right. Because we this this begins this process of us getting our collective shit together it, it is about us in, in the beginning. But if we do it correctly, man, it always ends up being about serving others, helping others, um, you know, helping others to, to get their collective crap together. I mean, that's why that's why I do this work. That's why I became great away coach. Yeah, 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 and yeah, and I was just checking out your your Twitter feed and everything that you got, and we'll get into that. I agree. Um, the first time I went to treatment, it was because the my future step son, which that ended up not happening because of future events, but he came up and he hugged me and he was crying. He's like, "You have to go," and so I went for him. Mm-hmm. I went for my fiance, his mom, you know, and I went for my kids, and it, it, it didn't work. And then it didn't work again because I went for my my sponsor, my sponsor and the people in the meeting. And then it wasn't until I made that choice myself to go for myself um, that things really started to build upon that. So, yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the the Great Away Coach the, and what you do. Uh, you got a book coming out even. I mean, let it spill, man. Let's hear all about what you're doing. Jeez. So, uh, you know, I I, I uh, born and raised in Northeastern Ohio. Um was one of those incredibly bright kids, right? Like if you gave me a standardized test, I'd blow it off the map. But if you put me in a classroom situation, I was like a dog in a room full of mirrors, right? Just completely distracted, um, you know, riddling back in the 70s, you know, ADD in the 80s, um, bright, creative, um, but was a constant disappointment to my uh, to my father, who was a professional educator, right? And so... Um, 
I because of that, I end up incurring a fair amount of trauma. Um, you know, like I, I never got beaten with a two by four, I, you know, I, no sexual abuse, nothing like that, but um, definitely trauma as a kid. Right. And I was forced to get a job at 14 years old. Um, and so I, I became a, a, a library page and I'm sure that no one listening knows what a library page is, <laughs> but, a, but a lot of, there were these things back in the day, uh, these buildings, and they used to put a bunch of uh, books in this building <laughs> and they were called libraries and you could go and you could back when people didn't steal shit all the time, you could actually go and check out a book for free. And when you brought the book back, I was the little dude who put the books back on the shelves in the proper order so you could go find them. And all of the the people that I worked with, all of my colleagues were obviously older than I was. I was 14 and I started hanging out with adults. And that was when I began drinking. And by the time I was 16 years old, uh, I was hanging out in the hood, um, drinking wild Irish Rose, drinking bum wine, right? At at 16. So I had like no no easing into it. And, you know, my father was a maintenance drinker. Um, he always had a, a Miller light in his hand. Matter of fact, the old man died with a Miller light in his hand. He had a, a wow. blood clot. He had a blood clot that went from his knee to his heart. And God, God just shut the lights out on him. And he had a, a Miller light in his hand when he went. Wow. Right. And so I learned how to drink from my father. Um, and I will tell you, if anyone out there is, um, if they got taught how to drink by their parents, it is a dark but liberating day, man, when you understand that you are becoming or you've become your parents. Yeah. It is, man. But I, but I got to tell you, on the other side of that is freedom is a real kind of freedom, man, because you understand it's like, oh, hold on. Like I, I got that imprint, right? Like like when you have a fresh cookie dough, right? You put your thumb into it and you mm-hmm. pull your thumb out and that imprint sticks in the dough. That's what that is. Do you understand? And yeah. sometimes the sometimes the dough rises back out and we can back away from it. But sometimes, man, that that energetic, that psychic imprint lasts forever, lasts forever. And I had a moment um, in my 40s where I, w- I was driving around LA all casual with a tall boy or, or a 32 ounce Miller, Miller High Life between my legs, just driving like, like there's not LA sheriffs everywhere, like there's not cops everywhere, just, just literally sitting in my car drinking at a stoplight. Oh, yeah. And I was like, holy shit, I have become the old man. I'm the old man. Look at you. What you promised yourself that you'd never become, you have become it. Yep. But I got to tell you, you, you get to that place, though, and you understand that, oh, this was shown to me. It was shown to me to be acceptable. It was shown to me to be okay. And you, and you begin to understand that it is not our behavior was not entirely our fault. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, you, you know, I had I, I drank and hold on. I'm sorry about that. I drank and I drank and I drank. I tried three times to get sober. Three times to get sober, both those times through AA and I would get two years. I get three years and I'd be like, ah, I'm good. 
You know what I mean? Like, like everybody who, um, like everybody who gets sober or who, who is on a medication, right? You're like, ah, I'm healed. I'm good. I can have one. Come on, son. We, we, we know, you know what I mean? We know that we know that never works. It never happens. And so, um, you know, nine times out of 10, if you quit and you go back, not only does it get just as bad as it was quick, it gets worse. And so the, the third time, um, was the charm for me. I went through a, a, um, you know, I went through a, a disastrous divorce and, no, it was like a, it was like a country record. I mean, I, I lost a career. I lost um, a house. I lost the dog. Um, I lost all my money. And dude, I was 43 years old and sleeping in my car above the Hollywood bowl in, in the, in the Hollywood Hills, because, you know, nobody would, would come up there and, and mess with you. Now you used to have this little place in the cul-de-sac, um, and I'd go park the car and I'd go sleep up there. And, and I knew, honestly, man, I knew that if I, it, that if I didn't do it now, if I didn't do it now, that this was it, this was it. And I knew that, that AA, well, it might be part of it. Yeah. it. It had failed me twice. It had failed me twice. It didn't give me what I needed. And I knew that there was more. And so I began to spend every waking moment I could to figure out what alcoholism was, why I couldn't shake this thing and what I had to do in order to fix it for the rest of my life. Not just for two years, not just for three years. And I go back and and end up doing stupid shit again to actually go and fix it. And so I began to study nutrition. I began to study supplementation. I began to study all of the things that, frankly, I had never been taught before. I had never been taught these things before. And so um, that, for me, is where where everything started to change. Because I I began to understand that a, a great deal of addiction, and whether it be cigarettes, gambling, weed, booze, whatever it is, like a lot of it has to do with the brain chemistry up here and what it is that you're putting here, right? Um, And so I began to study orthomolecular medicine, which is the science of healing the body through food and supplementation. And then I began to understand that there was a cure, that there was a cure for alcoholism. And, and I'm sure I'm going to trigger the crap out of some people when I say this, but the last thing I wanted, dude, the very last thing I wanted was to be going to a church basement and sitting my ass in an uncomfortable folding chair until I was 70 years old, calling myself an alcoholic long after I'd stopped drinking. Because look, this reality is a mirror. You you have to understand that. Your listeners have to understand that, okay? And that we are what we say we are. And if I am calling myself an alcoholic two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years after I've had a drink, after it's no longer an issue and I can walk down 
the 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 wine aisle at the grocery store and have my stomach turn and no cravings like I'm well past it but I'm still identifying as an alcoholic I do not find that helpful at all and and I think it is almost like re-traumatizing ourselves over and over and over again like at some point you have to be able to let it go and if you're like you know and it's the same way when when like when Christians call themselves sinners. You've yeah. been going to church for 30 years. You you can recite Bible verses off the top of your head. You're counseling others. You're doing all this work. Really, you're still a sinner? Yeah. Still? And I just don't find it helpful. And so what I learned was that back in the day, Bill W. met a gentleman named Abram Hoffer, who was a a German doctor. And Dr. Hoffer was curing hardcore catatonic schizophrenics, the kind of schizophrenics that would stare at a wall and not say a word for 20 years. And Hoffer was curing their schizophrenia using high doses of niacin and vitamin C. Okay. So Bill W., back in the day, he got sober, founded Alcoholics Anonymous, but he was still dealing with absolutely crippling depression. Crippling depression, couldn't shake it. He ended up meeting Hoffer, and Hoffer was like, hey, man, I think I, I, think I got something for you. Because Hoffer found, he, he actually started a group in British Columbia called Schizophrenics Anonymous. And his patients would get together and have these meetings, much like AA, and they all responded to the niacin and vitamin C combo, okay? And he found that there was a certain amount of crossover between schizophrenia and alcoholism. And so he was like, well, if this is working for schizophrenics, and let's say 30% of them are also alcoholics, will this work for a straight alcoholic without the schizophrenia? It did. It did. And he began to integrate this into Alcoholics Anonymous along with Bill W. And then at a certain point, the Rockefeller Foundation and the rise of Western medicine, which is all based on the wealth of the Rockefeller Foundation, right, began to infiltrate Alcoholics Anonymous and they stopped teaching diet and supplementation. Okay. That for me is a problem. That for me is an ethic, is it dude? It's an ethical problem. Because, you know, say what you will about AA, they pass that plate around, son. They pass that plate around at every meeting and dollars go in the basket. And if you are curing people, guess what happens? Yeah, the money goes away. There is no money in a cure ever. Ever ever. And I got pissed off and I got pissed off. And I'm like, you know what? I'm never going back there. I'm never going back there. As it turns out, you know, they're serving cakes for, um, for sober birthdays. There's always a box of donuts, always a box of cookies. Let me tell you something. If you are an alcoholic, you need to avoid sugar. Like it is the devil itself. Like it's the devil itself because so much of the alcoholic cravings that we get are based on your body wants the sugar, man. Yeah. Your body wants the sugar. And so we go to meetings, we have a donut, we have a cake, and all of a sudden it just kickstarts that cycle again. Like if you're really serious about trying to get sober, the ketogenic diet 
the carnivore diet, a, a sugar-free diet, a, a very, very low carbohydrate diet is going to save your ass. Yeah, and it's I mean, going to ensure that you don't drink again. Yeah, this is fantastic. It's very interesting because in every, maybe not every, but in the majority of the AA meetings that I've been a part, it's encouraged to 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 eat the candy and pass the candy basket around. Um, and, and it is. I mean, that's exactly what you're feeding. You're feeding that sugar. I mean, yeah. I was 285 pounds when I went into my third treatment and I lost 50 pounds in, 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 in three weeks yeah. because I was drinking uh, peppermint schnapps by the gallon. Oh. So, I mean, I, yeah, I totally get it. And that's interesting. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's no. exactly what they do. They, they pass the basket for money, but they also pass the basket for sweets as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll, uh, and, and I'll give you a great hack. I'll give you and your listeners a great hack. There's an amino acid called L-glutamine, G-L-U-T-A-M-I-N-E, L-glutamine. And glutamine mimics glucose, okay? So if you are new in your sobriety and you are getting physical cravings and you are trying to avoid eating the cake, eating the candy, eating the ice cream, because honestly, think about it, man, like what would be the point of getting sober and putting on 30 pounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you just yeah. traded one thing for the other. And so take a 500 milligram capsule of L-glutamine. It's very inexpensive. You can get it anywhere. Open that capsule, put the 500 milligrams directly underneath your tongue. Let it sit there for 30 seconds. Wash it down with clean water. Thank God. Give a little prayer. And on you go. I guarantee that physical craving is going to go away in 90 seconds. Oh, so this is a, the, the, the L-glutamine is for something during a craving. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. If you get a physical craving, you get that sugar craving, 500 milligram capsule, open it up, pour the powder underneath your tongue, let it sit there for 30 seconds. Your physical craving is gone within 90 and off you go and off you go. And so I, I have come up with a supplement stack that works for alcoholism, that works for addiction, that even works for dysthemia or, or low-level depression. And I have been able to break low-level depression with people in 72 hours. Wow. In 72 hours using amino acids, B vitamins, and some wonderful things to help you sleep at night. And so, so much of my work with my clients is getting them to understand that one, this is not entirely your fault. And that, you know, what we think of ourselves, again, determines our reality. So if I'm walking around and think I'm a piece of shit, irredeemable alcoholic, guess what's going to happen? Yeah. You're going to end up going right back. And so, you know, let me... Let me let me say something here too. And again, I'll, I'll try and keep my trigger points down to a to a bare minimum. Now, I welcome trigger points because it it makes you think. And if you want to be the person that hears something that quote unquote triggers you, and you want to shut it off, then that's on you. I, I, we need to get the mind activated. And we need to experience and and and, and critical think things. So don't yeah. hold back, my friend. Yeah. Um, so I'm just I'm just gonna say this right now. Um, quitting cold turkey doesn't work. Doesn't work. Worst idea in the world. Straight up. You want to make sure that you drink again in the future? Quit cold turkey. Trust me. How how are you going to tell me you're drinking um, you're drinking two pints 
of Jim Beam a day, and all of a sudden you're just gonna cut it off. You're, you're drinking a, a, a you're, you're taking twelve silver bullets to the head every day, and you're just gonna okay, I'm done. Bullshit. Never, ever, ever works. Never works. So we don't quit. My clients don't quit. We don't use the word quitting because nobody likes a quitter, dude. You know who really doesn't like a quitter? The alcoholic in your head, sure. right? Sure. Um, we taper. We taper. Depending on like when a client shows up at my doorstep, um, we do an assessment, um, how long they've been drinking, how hard they've been drinking, why they've been drinking, what time of day they start drinking. And we taper. And I will tell you, I've had some um, some clients who have been drinking a case of beer a day, 24 beers a day. Um, I had a client out of New York City who was drinking high-end Japanese whiskey, drinking a bottle of it a day, kid. Like high, guy who works on, the, on Wall Street, high pressure, big money, taking a, a bottle of Japanese whiskey to the head a night and still getting up and doing his job and doing it very well the next day, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, been there. But we take that and we taper. T-A-P-E-R, we taper. So, okay. So with the taper, okay. And I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down with that. So what, so what is your reasoning for tapering as opposed to cold turkey? Is there, are you suggesting there's dangers to cold turkey? Because I can get on board with that. Absolutely. Uh, go into that a little bit more. Why why taper as opposed to the cold turkey, which is you know the general the general suggestion. So a couple a couple reasons. One, uh, a lot of it depends on your personal history with alcohol. If you've been getting it out, if you've been getting after it for ten years, fifteen years, just steady taking shots to the head, all of a sudden stopping, terrible idea seizures, brain damage, yeah. all kinds of problems can, can come out of it. Okay. Um, so we don't do that. Second, nobody likes a quitter. Nobody likes a quitter. You, you, you have to understand that there's a little baby up here okay. and you've been given that baby. It's juice for 10 years, 15 years. And so all of a sudden you're going to take that juice box away from that baby what, you think that baby's not going to cry, scream, shit its pants, throw a ten temper tantrum? And when we first stop, we're not strong enough to resist the baby. And eventually you'll get tired of the baby crying and whining and shitting itself. And you'll just be like, okay, 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 fine, here, here, just have a beer, have a drink. And the baby's quiet again. So we have to make a deal with the baby. Right. We make a deal with the baby. I'm going to give you your juice. But you only get X amount. And one other reason that I find that the taper is so important. Our drinking becomes unconscious. Even if we get up in the morning and we say, OK, we're not drinking today. All of a sudden, dude, you'll you'll wake up in the state store. Yep. You'll wake up at the a.m. p.m. with a. a, a, a Two, two tall boys and Mike's, Mike's hard lemonade. And you're like, how did I get here again? Yeah. How did I get here again? Because let me tell you something. It's not you. If you've been getting after it for years, it's not you driving the bus. 
You got to understand, it's not you driving the bus anymore, man. You have surrendered control of the steering wheel to the alcohol, to the alcohol. Our behavior becomes unconscious, okay? So if I set up with a client and I say, all right, we're going to do a 21-day taper. We map it out. We chart it out. We say, okay, you're, you're drinking six drinks a day. For the first week, you're going to continue to drink as you normally would, except you are going, and I send them a calendar and I say, I want to know the time of your first drink. I want to know the time of your last drink. I want to know how many drinks you had, right? right. And okay. so after that first week, we can then chart. We have some, we have some data to look at. And it's like, okay, I had six, six, nine, six, five. And I'll be like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, let's talk about the nine day. What, what happened on the nine day? And then you find out, well, I had to, I had to let one of my employees go. Mm-hmm. Or my accountant called me up and was like, hey, you owe $1,200 more than you thought on your taxes. So you begin to look at what is triggering you, what is making the number fluctuate up or down. Yeah. Then you have some data, right? You have some data to work with then. So from there, that second week, you kind of begin to feel out the client, begin to feel out where they are, and you go, okay, your average has been six. Can we agree for the next five days on five? And they go, yeah, I I think I can do five. Great. I check in with them by text. Hey man, how you doing? Did you stick to five? And and I do checkup calls, 15 minute checkup calls, 20 minute checkup calls, 30 minute checkup calls on my clients all week long. All week long. I have one long call with them of an hour. And then I just check in three days later, four days later. Hey man, how are you? You've been able to stick to five. All right, good, good, good. All right, we'll talk on Monday and we'll plan out strategy for the next week. We are making our unconscious behavior conscious. Like, if they're right, if they're drinking wine, for example, they're just free pouring, just free pouring in one of those big old red wine glasses, filling it to the rim. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Week number two, we start measuring it out. We get one of those. One of those little Pyrex cups that's got the ounces on the side. And you start pouring it out and you start measuring it and you start making the unconscious behavior conscious. And all of a sudden, you become present. You become aware of your behavior. And you're like, oh, I'm the idiot in my kitchen measuring out shitty gallo wine at four o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> right. Okay. And you take three weeks and you do that and you just taper slowly, slowly, slowly. And all of a sudden you're down to one drink and you find yourself. Okay. You find, like I had a client who drinks the, the airplane bottles and I would go into the, the, the liquor store, the convenience store. And I made him taper in front of the cashier. 
right? Like he would go in, you know, he'd be buying five at first. Next week, he'd go in buy four. Next week, he'd go in buy three. Next week, he'd buy two. And the closer you get down to zero, the dumber you feel. And the more ridiculous you understand your behavior is. And all of a sudden, you're standing in front of that cute checkout girl with one bottle. And you're sitting in your car, drinking one airplane bottle going, what in the hell am I doing? What am I doing? And all of a sudden, you're driving the bus again, man. You're driving the bus again. You got both hands on the wheel. You're present. You are accountable and responsible for your behavior. And normally, seven times out of 10, before I get a client down to that one drink, they stop. They stop. They never get down to that one drink because they understand the redundancy of what it is that they're doing. They are present. They are accountable for their own behavior. And they understand what they're doing at their core is poisoning themselves and killing themselves. So, uh, I mean, you want to go ahead and do cold turkey and white knuckle it? Man, this is 2023. That's some that's some hundred year old thinking. Sure. Really, yeah. that is that that's hundred year old thinking. That's how you used to end up in the loony bin. Yeah, back in the day, sh- sh- shaken. Well, why? Yeah. Well, why you're trying to reclaim your life? You're trying to reinvent yourself. That is no way to begin. That's no way to begin. I mean, I've. Scott, I've done month-long tapers with people. 30 days, 35 days, 40 days. And they'll go up and down, up and down, up and down. I don't give them shit about it. I don't guilt trip them about it. But we look at it. We look at it honestly. And we figure out what's going on, what triggers them, and how we can reduce the triggers. It's all about making the unconscious behavior conscious. I, that's a long ass explanation. I'm so, I'm no, so yeah, sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I am, I am a hundred percent on board with the, it, it makes total sense about the, the, the unconsciousness. You know, I went to treatment for 60 days. It was my second attempt and everything was fine until my grandfather who brought me home, hugged me and shook my hand. And there's a hundred dollar bill in his hand. Mm. And then the ne- four hours after leaving treatment, I was in the bag again. I'd went to the store, I'd got it. And the only, I remember him shaking my hand, looking at the hundred dollar bill. And the next memory I have is there's a pint of pop-off vodka sitting in front of me and I'm staring at it, you know? So I, 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 I do believe that it's unconscious. I mean, morning after morning, I am not going to drink. And then the next thing, you know, it's 10 o'clock, everybody's asleep. I have the alcohol in the same spot that it always is. I bought it and it's, in me. And then I'm like, fuck, I wasn't going to drink today. Well, it just, it, it takes over. So I, I, I totally understand that. And I think this is fascinating. I'm very interested in, in, in this, in this taper thing. You know, I've, I've heard other people too, you know, um, gradually working down because it is dangerous to go cold, cold turkey. Mm. You know, I uh, had one of the worst experiences in my life. Um, I don't know if it was a seizure or what, you know, um, but I woke up in a dream, couldn't wake up. And it was the most terrifying thing that I've ever, that has ever happened to me because I thought I was going to die. And I actually killed myself in the dream to try to wake up, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 that obviously had something to do with the detox and the, and the craziness. It is extremely dangerous to, to go cold turkey. If you're, if you're going at it, like I was, you know, uh, you know, 
almost two fifths a day. You know, drink until you pass out, wake up, rinse and repeat. So I, I'm totally with you on that. So I wanted to ask you too. Um, so, so the uh, and I'm I'm terrible with medicine names. The L-glutamine, L-glutamine. Yeah, yeah so that's for, correct. Glutamine. Okay, so that's that's for cravings. What is the niacin for? So B vitamins help. They are basically what regulate our mood, right? Serotonin, B vitamins. Those are the two biggies that regulate mood. Um, alcohol completely drains the brain of B vitamins. And so that's why we get mood swings. It's why we get angry. It's why we get sad. All of these things, because the brain is depleted of the nutrients that it needs to balance itself out. Right. And so at a certain point in the taper process, we begin to add those B vitamins back in. Um, you know, there are even uh, herbs that I use. Matter of fact, I use one herbal extract um, that is so incredibly powerful during the tapering process um, that it makes you kind of want to stop drinking. It, 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 um, it makes you feel full. It makes you feel warm. It almost mimics the physical feeling of a buzz. You're not high, but this herb, this particular extract that I use is the closest thing to a silver bullet I've ever found. Um, and, and so it is about rebalancing the brain, rebalancing the bodies. Um, we're mineral deficient. Nine times out of 10, we're protein deficient. Nine times out of 10, we're, we're B vitamin depleted. And that's why the diet and the supplementation is key to recovery and long-term recovery. I'm not talking about three months, nine months, 12 months. I'm talking about 20 years. Sure. It, it, look, addiction is a 360 degree disorder. All right. I'll tell you just because of my personal niche and the clients that I work with, you know, there's always a comorbidity. It's always alcohol plus weed or it's always alcohol plus caffeine, or it's alcohol plus gambling, right? It's alcohol plus um, reading the news too much, spending too much time on social media. I call it data addiction, right? And yeah. alcohol is just the gateway to all of the other things, right? And so it becomes a matter of looking at the, at the entire life of the client, work, home life, spouse, kids, the culture. Where are you getting your information from? You spending too much time on social media. How are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you, are you, how's your relationship with God? Are you exercising extreme self-care how are you sleeping i mean you, you can't you can't just no offense to anybody you can't just go to a meeting and read a hundred year old book and be free of this it that's that's not what it is yeah. you've got to look at the client's entire life dude entire well, I, life and i'm with you and, and a lot of the people that say that is the way to do it is to quit and go to a meeting uh, every day and, and follow that they completely miss the fact 
that sure they've been sober for 27 years but they're miserable bastards and they're always the ones that are finding people on twitter to to say you're doing it wrong this is the way to do it and it's not everybody it's not everybody but i've come to find that the people that think that way are normally the ones that are still miserable on the inside they just they lie and say, oh, yeah, my life's never been better. Well, then why are you finding out, seeking out complete strangers and telling them that they're doing it wrong? You you are miserable on the inside. <laughs> Sober, but unchanged. Yes. Sober, but unchanged. They're, they're still as miserable as the day they walked in the door. And for me, that was a, a big, um, big reinforcement to me that I was like, oh, no, like I'm going to hang around you dreary people for the rest of my life yeah. no 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 and and it, and it was at that point when i started to explore all the other avenues as well i mean dude i went to smart recovery meetings mm-hmm. i went to group therapy i went to one-on-one therapy um you know i i did this wonderful program called refuge recovery yep. i don't know if you know about refuge yeah, recovery Buddhist, yep can't recommend it highly enough. I got more yeah. out of refuge in two years than I did at all of my time in AA. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I even went so far as to do psychedelic therapy, mm-hmm. right? Both in a clinical setting and on my own. I mean, I, I, towards the end, right before I kicked and kicked forever, um, I, I found myself in a, in a teepee sitting for 16 hours straight cross-legged with the Lakota Indian tribe. Awesome. Eating, eating fermented cactus and talking to God. So, you know, look, if one program does not resonate with your listeners, my best advice is to try everything. Yeah. Try everything and take away what resonates from each of these programs, from each of these modalities, from each of these dogmas, and integrate it into a system that works for you, rather than going back and back and back to a system that either doesn't resonate with you or doesn't work with you or doesn't click off all the check off all the boxes. Try everything. Yeah, try everything. That's, that's one of the main messages that I try to throw out there. I mean, you said it earlier, you know. It, AA failed it twice. You needed more. Yeah. AA was a stepping stone for me. <laughs> it it did. Uh, there's a lot of good things in there. I I you know, and you're kind of alluding to it. You know, just being sober isn't enough, and that's kind of what Bill W was saying. It's just a symptom of other problems. You know, it's it's a, how we kind of cope with certain things. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of good information in there, but you're right. It needs to evolve too, and not just be you know. First of all, it doesn't say anything in the first 164 pages about having a sponsor. That's the first thing that that people need to realize that, you know, you, you need to read the book for what it says. They call it a textbook and it is a textbook, but read what it says and, and go from there. Um, the other thing I want to touch on too, you said, you know, uh, you're talking about traumas. Trauma can have, and, and you, and you mentioned this many, many forms. Yep. Um, you know, a, a trauma for me, what I'm beginning to understand is I was raised by, a, she's 98 now. She's my great grandmother. And she taught me to just not think about it. That was her favorite saying. When something was bothering me and I was upset and I was crying or whatever, just don't think about it. And and so I adapted that and I would go and play with my toys and create a fantasy world where I was a hero and, and all these things. And I, and I didn't deal with those things. 
that to me, uh, teaching, you know, not being willing as a parent figure to to talk to your children and, and about their feelings and what's going on. I mean, you think you, I, she, she was trying to protect me. She didn't yeah. want to see me sad. She wanted me yeah. to not worry about these things that were out of my control. So in, in that, it was right. I mean, her, her intent was good. But it fucked me up, dude. And and then so oh, when I found sure. alcohol, when I found alcohol, that. that's exactly what alcohol did for me. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about it. So it was even easier. Most of our parents, grandparents, great grandparents, frankly, even most people now are ill equipped, unequipped to deal with life on life's terms. Right. Period. Period. Again, that is why I always stress the singular walk aspect of the recovery process. It is you. Mm-hmm. It's not your sponsor. It's not your shrink. It's not the meetings. It's not the, the people that irritate you in the meetings. Not your friends, not your mom, not your spouse, not your kids. Yep. Not the guy who cuts you off in traffic. It's you. Yep. It's you. Yep. Although, although I will throw an, an interesting idea at you, right? Here's a, a, another possible trigger point. Um, I believe alcoholism, especially, I believe that addiction is a, is a form of possession. Interesting. Go ahead. Right. Go so we often refer to liquor as spirits mm-hmm. and the word alcohol is the origin of the word alcohol. Alcohol is a, a very old term used in the Middle East for spirits. And I believe that each alcohol has its own kind of spirit or energetic attachment to it. You have to understand alcohol is literally the oldest method of mind control in existence right oldest form of mind control man you get you give somebody enough booze you you own them you own them and you can get them to do whatever it is that you want to do yeah right and the people my clients they come from a place of being very freedom minded very sovereign minded you know they, they 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 want freedom they want liberation and I believe that alcoholism is a form of low level possession and some liquors, some substances are worse than others like tequila, right? Like you give somebody three shots of tequila, man. And all of a sudden you can see it in the eyes. Mm -hmm. They're not there anymore. They're not there anymore. You have checked out. You've handed the keys over to the mezcal. You handed the keys over to the vodka. You handed the keys over to Anheuser-Busch. And that's who's driving the bus, right? I, I, tell, my, I tell my clients, Scott, in the nicest way possible, um, when we get to a place where we are ready to put it down and keep it down, that we are clinically insane. You are clinically nuts, Nothing, nothing you're saying is making any sense. Nothing you're doing is making any sense. Your judgment is terrible because it's not you driving the bus anymore. And look, you know, part of the, the, uh, one of the worst parts about 
the disorder of alcoholism. And I don't even like that word, to be honest. I don't like isms. Uh, I'm not a big fan. But one of the worst things is the fact that we go and we continue to traumatize ourselves. We we wear off layers of our self-esteem and self-respect every time we go to the, the convenience store, every time we go to the liquor store. Mm-hmm. We are re-traumatizing ourselves over and over and over again. And so again, going back to the idea that it is not entirely your fault, there is somebody else driving the bus. And the idea of the taper, the slow reduction, the making the unconscious conscious, bringing the sense of responsibility back, bringing the sense of control back slowly but surely. We're putting both hands on the wheel again. We're turning off the cruise control and it becomes a slow process of us regaining control, respect and self-esteem back bringing everything back to ourselves. After that, you know, once you get clean, you get 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, 180 days, and you want to screw around and you want to go drink again. That's on you, son. That's on you because you're driving the bus. Now you're making the decisions, but when you're in active use, it's, it's not you. So you can't take the blame entirely. The spirit of alcohol is driving the bus. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, uh, th- there's a reason why they call it spirits. Yeah, I man. Think it is because you're, you, I mean, outward appearances would be that you are possessed. You're a completely different person. And I, yeah. you know, tequila was, is a great example because, you know, I've seen people that get drunk and they're drunk and sloppy and annoying, but they get drunk on tequila, they're dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, the last volatile. time, yeah, I mean, the last time I drank tequila, this was decades ago. Um, you know, I got a scar in my hand from cutting my hand to be blood brothers with my buddy that I was hanging out with. So, I mean, and, and, you know, what's crazier about that story is he couldn't cut himself. He had me do it. And I remember cutting into his hand and the look on his face when I did it, because I, it it just, it's, it's dumb. I would never do that in, in real life. You know what I mean? Um, So I, yeah, I mean, I think calling possession is fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It it is. And and again, you know, look, no one beats us up like us. Mm -hmm. Nobody cuts us down like we do. And so, again, going back and calling yourself an alcoholic over and over and over and over and over again. When is it enough, man? Yeah. When is it enough? I mean, I used to, you know, and the the L.A. Los Angeles sobriety scene is powerful, strong. Like, you know, there's there, you know, if you want to ruin your life. No better place than Los Angeles. If you want to <laughs> if you want to save your life, no better place in Los Angeles. Strong, strong, strong recovery. Right. You got the rooms are full every night. The shrinks offices are full every night. The group therapy class is full every night. You can lose yourself and find yourself real fast in Los Angeles. But I used to trigger the old timers because I, you know, I'd walk in and I'd be like, hi, I'm Bradley. I'm a recovered alcoholic, man. (laughs) See that that's, that's a thing too, too. I mean, read your book that you're, that you're, we have recovered. It is mentioned, the word recovered is mentioned in there numerous times. I have it highlighted all over my big book. 
we can recover, we do recover, we have recovered are words that are in that book. It is not wrong to say that. I totally yeah. agree that the, you know, when I went back to treatment the third time, I started doing affirmations three times a day in the morning. Tell myself three things. And most of the time they're the same. You are worth this. You are a good person. And I love you. And I'd make myself look myself right in the eyes and say that. Now, mm. it's weird, but I would go in and laugh at myself sometimes. And you know what that laughter did? It set me on a, an, on a happier, more positive note, even if laughing at myself. So I agree. I, I agree. I still introduce myself as an al- alcoholic uh, a lot of times when I go in there. Uh, and I, if I'm being completely honest again, it's just to appease the people in there and, and not deal with, you know, like what you were yeah. talking about. Yeah, the, um, the judgment. Yeah, but it's it's it is, you know, I, I was an alcoholic. And if I go back to drinking, I will be an alcoholic again. But I, I yeah, talking about yourself, they're, they're important. I, I Earlier today, we did a podcast with a guy. And he's at 40 days. And, you know, he's like, look, I know I'm only at 40 days. And it's like, dude, we don't, I mean, I get what you're saying. Because I, I say it too. I'm only at eight months when I'm talking to somebody with decades of sobriety, but only that's a word that you're, you're digging the process that you made. You don't get to eight months without 40 days. You don't get to 27 years without eight months. Words are important. And whether you believe that they have that kind of impact on you or not, I mean, I guess that's up to you, but I, I believe that they do. So I I agree with you hundred percent. Yep. The universe is a mirror. That's, that's why we got to be very, very careful about, you know, look, we, we, you know, and let me, let me mention God in this real quick, because it's, it's critical to the work that I do. I don't identify as anything anymore, right? If, if anybody wants the best meditation mantra in the world, I'm going to give it to you. And it's four words and it's going to change your life. You ready? I'll give this to you for free. Here's a freebie. <laughs> On the on the in breath, God is. Hold it. On the out breath, I am. That's it. You don't need to shave your head. You don't need to wear an orange robe. You don't need to go and join an ashram. You don't have to take a vow of chastity. You just need to go and sit and connect with whatever you think God is. Right. And you you, want to you want another hack? I'll do I'll give you I'll give you an incredible God hack. For people who are still actively using you ready. I I love this, dude. I love this. So I want you (laughs) if you're listening to me and you're still drinking, I want you to bless your drinks. I want you to bless your drinks. Okay, so you pour that drink. You crack that beer, you pour that wine, whatever it is that you do, and you put one hand around it, and you put your other hand around it, and you ever notice when you put something in your hands, you leave it there for a minute, like that heat, that warmth starts to come between your hands. Mm-hmm. You're going to take that drink, and you're going to let it just warm up for a second, and then you're going to put it up to your forehead. And if there's somebody else in the room, you can go do it in the bathroom. You can go do it in the wherever. You put it up to your forehead and you repeat the following. May this drink be for my highest good. May this drink bring me closer to you, God. May I know you. May I experience you more deeply. 
through this drink. Thank you. Drink your drink. Drink your drink. You would be very surprised what happens. Interesting. Straight up, straight up, man. Straight up. Bless, bless your drinks. Bless your cocktails. Bless your wine. Bring whatever you think God is into your drinking habits. If you think you're a lost case, mm, no. God, again, your version of God, whatever you think God is, can work miracles that you cannot. And by bringing God or the concept of God into your addiction, into your habit, even, dude, even down into it, may this be for my highest good. May I know you more. May I experience you more deeply. May our relationship grow through this strength. Because we know at the end of the day, man, we know if you have any kind of relationship with God or a creator or the infinite or the universe or whatever you label you want to put on the unlabelable. Bringing that in. You know, God does not want you destroying yourself. God loves you in ways that many people will never understand. If you ever get the the opportunity to encounter God, it is like a million hugs from a million Italian grandmothers all at once. (laughs) (laughs) All at once. Bringing God into that drink, that cup of spirits that you're about to take in. Bringing God into that mix will reinforce your desire to quit, will bring a higher level of vibration. Dare I say it might even counteract the spirits in that liquid kid. I'm with you on the vibration. I'm with you, you know, you whatever, yeah, whatever it may be, whatever God is to you, even if that word makes you feel icky, it did me for a long time, but, uh, you know, things have changed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, um, it, it, you're, you're bringing in positivity, you're bringing in, you know, uh, whatever you can to flip it. So I think that's important, man. It's just like the affirmation. It's like anything else. So, yeah, I can dig it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it helps with the reframing of alcohol. Right. Uh, again, going back to the idea that this is not entirely your fault. I mean, think about it, man. You know, I, I come from a, a, a background in the music business in radio and records and promotion, um, you know, working on music festivals, um, sex, drugs and rock and roll. That's a real thing for, for me. I'm Gen X. Right. For Gen X, Gen Y, sex, drugs and rock and roll. That's a real thing. Yeah. Right. Um, we have been sold by Hollywood, by Madison Avenue and the advertising. We've been sold that alcohol is acceptable. We've been sold that alcohol is sexy. You can't pick up chicks without getting them a couple drinks, right? We've been sold that, you know, somebody dies. What's the first thing we do afterward? Dunk. Somebody gets married. What's the first thing we do afterwards? Dunk. Somebody's birthday. Quinceañeras graduation parties, flag day, pick, 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 yeah, yeah, Monday, man, pick, pick, pick a day. And, and so the reframing of alcohol, understanding that alcohol, alcohol is ethanol. It is poison. You're, you're getting drunk. That's brain cells dying. 
Yep. Brain cells dying, man. And so, you know, looking at it differently, one of the things I do with my clients is I get pictures of um, bums. I get pictures of, of drunk homeless people. I get pictures of pretty girls in thousand dollar dresses covered in vomit. I get pictures of frat boys laying over toilets with their head in the toilet. And I make my clients print them out and put them around the house. Wherever they kept the booze, there's a picture of somebody covering their own shit. On the refrigerator, there's a, a pretty girl covering a bunch of puke and $1,000 shoes. Right? Bathroom mirror is a great reinforcement. Sure. Because... Look, we've been programmed, so we must reprogram ourselves. We must break the 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 programming, because otherwise you're still going to think that it's romantic somehow. Oh, I can go out to dinner and on an anniversary and just have a glass of wine. Well, why? When you know mm-hmm. it's poison. Why? When you understand what it does to your gut, when it does to your liver, what it does to the mind. Why would you go back and repoison yourself over and over and over again? So I, you know, and I tell people, man, look, I'm not a recovery coach. I'm not, I don't believe in labels. I don't like labels in my personal life, in my work life. Don't like labels, but I am sure not a recovery coach. I work differently than recovery coaches do. Um, I think I'm a little cheaper actually than a lot of recovery coaches, but I got to tell you, um, I get results, not bullshitting you, not blowing sunshine up your butt. I get results because I go about it differently than 90% of the recovery models, the recovery coaches, all the, you know, I don't have any accreditation, man. I don't want any accreditation. I don't, I don't need, I don't need a a plaque on my wall. I I lived it. Yeah. Right. No, dude, I, I, I'm relating with you on that 100%. I did get this, uh, the, the recovery coach certification, and I was going to go back to college and, and, and get a degree for this and that. Um, but, you know, this podcast is fulfilling all the the holes that that was that I thought that that was going to do. You know, I, I'm a highly trained past alcoholic. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been through, there isn't anything really outside of death that I haven't experienced in my alcoholism, you know? And so that experience is better than any, anything that some college is going to give me. And, you know, um, and, and just bringing experience uh, and others experience to, to people that are struggling. I think it's the most valuable thing that you can do. So I think it's great that you're doing that too. You, you staying sober is your accreditation. You you doing this podcast and being of service to others and learning from other people. That's your accreditation. Your accreditation, the the letters after your last name that normally would be PhD. The more these podcasts you do, kid, the the longer the accreditation is going to get. And you will end up being able to take the entirety of all of these stories and how people got clean, why they stayed clean taking all of this stuff and distilling it down into your own methodology, your own language, and you will teach. Yeah, it, 
there's there's something there's something at work that's that's outside of this because you know I I focused when I first got into recovery I focused on those letters after my name uh, and the credits and the continuing education hours that I had and wanting to have a title and all these things and now all of a sudden you know you're we're having this conversation and you know very recently I've decided that my self worth is far more valuable and and meaningful to me than a bunch of letters or a job title or any of those things. And yeah. it's, it's just crazy how things come together. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta go here shortly, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say to you, um, I think one of the reasons why I'm so successful, like I said, I'm not a recovery coach. Um, I don't focus necessarily on addictions, but so many of my clients already come to my door. Like they come to my door with something else, but they got an addiction of some kind or another. Like, I don't know anybody who, who isn't owned by something, right? right. Who's not owned by something. Some, somebody got a hook in you, something yep. got a hook in you. Um, but I think one of the reasons why I'm so successful is because I approach it as a complete 360 degree disorder. And again, all of your life has to be looked at if you want to kick recovery, because it's not just one thing. It's a yeah. bunch of little different things. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say one last thing before I go. I stress with my clients that we don't do drama. You know, there's a lot of dark humor in, in my coaching. We make a lot of dark jokes, man. We share drunk stories. We share terrible experiences. We share high points and low points. But I want to say this to you. Recovering does not have to be this giant, massive, overwhelming, dark, impossible, mountainous thing that you get out of bed every day and you have to conquer. Right. It's, it is, I'm telling you, I mean, you, you can, if you want, but eventually you're going to get tired of climbing the mountain. I guarantee. Yep. So let me give you a reframe on that. Okay. Recovery is not about the mountain. It's not this huge thing. It is a long series of micro choices and micro decisions that we make day by day moment by moment, week by week, month by month, year by year. It is a decision not today, but right now, not to pick up again. Yeah. You go you go out to a barbecue, do if you need to, go get a six pack of O'Doul's. Go get a, they make perfectly fine zero alcohol IPAs. You don't want to feel weird about it? Go get some hop water. I don't know if you found out about hop water. Hop water has no carbs, no sugar, no calories. On a hundred degree day, go have a hop water, man. Nobody's going to say boo to you. Nobody's going to say a word to you. Nobody's going to look at you strangely. The non-alcoholic beverage market is a multi-billion dollar a year sector. And it's not like it was back in the day when my pops would have a near beer or, you know, an O'Doul's or whatever it is. Like you got options now. Yeah. It is a decision that you will make on a moment by moment basis. It doesn't have to be a mountain 
It doesn't have to be this monster in the room. It can just be like, you know what? I'm going to that barbecue today and I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a couple of club sodas with me. Yeah. And that's it. And that's it because the more, the more air we pump into it, the more drama we pump into it. Again, the universe is a mirror. If we think it's this big thing and, and we're fighting demons and, you know, there's a, a bottle of vodka behind every blade of grass. That's not helpful, man. Yeah, making it's, it, making it, 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 yeah, making it yeah. a mountain. Yep. And, and yeah, it's 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 not. It's a series of different, better decisions that you make on a moment by moment basis, simply by just not going back. Right, thank man. you, dude. Really, thank you. This is this oh, has been fantastic. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. And uh, real quick before you go, if you, how how can people learn more about what uh, what you got going on? If you want to plug anything, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The, the website right now, I had a website up, but, um, uh, you know, I was getting 3000 blunt force attacks on my website per month and it, it just got too much. So I moved everything to Substack, which is a, a blogging platform where, um, it really feels like the next wave of independent and citizen journalists, um, have all kind of migrated to Substack. And so you can go to greatawakecoach.com, greatawakecoach.com. That is going to bounce you to greatawakecoach.substack.com. Um, there's an about page with my bio. There is um, information about the sober group coaching program that I'm running called the Sober Patriot. It's in its second iteration. We'll be starting the Sober Patriot 3 starting after July 4th. Um, there are articles on the awakening process and, and dealing with the death of the old reality, which is one of the, the pillars of my teachings as well. Um, social media, you can find me on Telegram. I got kicked off of Twitter a couple of years ago in the great purge of 2020. And uh, a lot of us migrated over to Telegram. Telegram has its, um, has its issues with scammers and fakes and whatnot. But I got to tell you, man, 80% of my clients are coming from Telegram. Uh, okay. I love Telegram. So you can find me on Telegram at The Great Awake Coach. Got, uh, what, 7,200 followers over there. Uh, I'm on True Social, but I hate True Socials. I'm yeah. Great Awake Coach over there. Um, not on Facebook. Um, on Twitter, for the time being, um, I am <laughs> at Inner, I-N-N-E-R. F-K-N-G, peace, P-E-A-C-E. Uh, and that is the title of the uh, of the blunt, dark, funny self-help book that I'm publishing this fall called Inner Fucking Peace. Sorry for the swear words. Fuck yeah. Ah. <laughs> ah. So yeah, man, please, um, you know, uh, you can, you know, if you're interested in having a conversation with me about... Um, one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you're interested in having a conversation with me about group coaching, reach out to me directly at greatawakecoach at gmail.com. Let's, um, you know, let's carve out 45 minutes to talk about where you're at, where you want to be and how I can help you get there. Right. I, I tell people that I'm a Sherpa, right. I, I clear the path for you, man. I've, I've already gone to the top of the mountain. I just clear the path for you. I've walked the path for you and make sure that you don't trip over anything. Make sure you don't fall off the side of the cliff, but you're going to do the work. I'm just going to show you how, and I'm going to lead you there. And so uh, again, man, a, a thousand, thousand thank yous. I, I really right. appreciate the time today.
Yeah, man, this is great stuff. Thank you. And make sure to check him out. If you got any questions, get with me. And if you can't figure it out, I'll, I'll, I'll help you find your way to a uh, great weight coach. So thanks again, man. And uh, we'll, We'll catch up again soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, please, man. Let me let me know. I'm 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 always available. Always available. It feels good. Um, honestly, it just feels good to share an alternative yeah. perspective on all of this. On all of this, because it can't just be like we all end up the same way, uh, addicted. We all end up drunk or high or fat or whatever it is, right? We all end up at the same destination, but there's a million different ways and a million different reasons why we end up at those similar destinations. And and I just, I think it's time, man. There's, look, reality is falling apart. The old ways, they don't work anymore, man. They're, They're either broken or outdated or they don't work for everybody anymore. And so I'm just trying to provide a different perspective on all of this so people can heal and grow and move forward. We need functional people, man. We need new leaders. The next five years, dude, is going to change literally everything about this reality. And we can't have you broken. We can't have you a mess. You are needed. You're needed, whether you know it or not. Amen. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Thank you. We'll end on that. That was awesome. Take care and uh, we'll see everybody on the next one.